Let's just pause for a moment while we pray before opening the Word of God. Our Father, we're grateful because you have given us your Word in our language in a way that we can understand it. We do not need to search high or low. We do not need to climb up or, or stoop down. But the Word is very near us, even in our mouth and in our hearts. And it's available to each one of us that we can read from, learn from, grow from, and, and enjoy what your revelation to us is through the Scriptures. So we pray that you would open our minds and open our hearts, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the message that you would bring to us from your word today. We give you thanks in Jesus' name for all these blessings. Amen. Oh, good morning. It's good to be back again. I think uh, for some that were here last week, uh, we were in the second service and we said our hellos. We're back from Nigeria, West Africa, for a little bit of rest and recreation from our missionary service there. When, uh, when you're in the South, I guess you're familiar with Jeff Foxworthy's bit, you know you might be a redneck if kind of a thing. Well, uh, we can develop one for missionaries that if you live in the tropics and visit the United States, you might just be a missionary. And I, and I guess that's kind of where we are, right? So we, we are a missionary, I guess, because we're here. And uh, Pastor Everett was reminding us of our one of our first introductions, that wasn't our very first introduction to the church. We have a better memory where we went to the first service and immediately after the service, people were inviting us out to dinner and doing all these other kind of things. So that was a better one than the, than the arm-breaking incident. But, but we do remember that one. And, and by the way, that is a great lesson on forgiveness, isn't it? Forgiveness and graciousness. Not to, not to hold those things over. Well, I am, uh, we are glad to be back and we'll be here in and out as we make our travels over the summer. And uh, I, I am thankful to have the opportunity, opportunity to share the Word of God this morning. You know, no matter where we live, whether it's Africa, whether it's America, whatever country, we go through difficulties, don't we? We have things that bother us, that irritate us, that get us down, that can depress us and, confu- and, and can confuse us. So no matter where we are, what status in life, we know what it means to suffer adversity and have difficult situations. And in the Bible, there's probably a person who has suffered and and endured so much in so many different areas that we can learn from his life, and that's the man Moses. So we're going to be looking at an event in the life of Moses from Exodus chapters 33 and 34. You can begin turning there uh, as we give a little context to the message. Uh, The the specific situation is is going to be one where he is once again bothered irritated, discouraged by the ministry that God has called him to and the people that he was called to serve. And we will entitle this message, A Prayer God Loves to Answer. Because Moses gets through this difficult time, not by toughing it out, not by rugged individualism like Americans would like to do, but he gets through his difficult time through prayer. And as we come to the the book of Exodus, Exodus is in the Old Testament like our children just told us, go to Genesis and turn right. If if you get to Numbers, you've gone too far, make make a U-turn at your next legal U-turn like my GPS says. By the time we get to Exodus chapter 33, Moses has already been enduring a lot of difficulties from these people that God has chosen him to lead. The most recent one is is in chapter 32, Uh, where they had the golden calf incident. Maybe you're familiar with that one. God led Israel out of Egypt through tremendous 
blessings of, uh, of getting them out of a life of slavery, led them through the Red Sea, parted the waters before them, gave them manna in the, in the wilderness, gave them water from rocks, did all kinds of great and wonderful things for them. And how do they respond? Usually they respond with rebellion. And in the case of Moses, he went up on mountain on, the Mount, Sinai, on Mount Sinai to receive God's commandments. By the way, how many commandments did Moses receive? Ten? You're saying ten? You're close. 613. Ten is close. So but he received God's commandments. He was gone for a little over a month, gone for 40 days. And just in that period of time, the people grew concerned. They rejected what, what God was saying about having him as the only God. They were not, they were not following the, the pattern of Moses of serving God and him alone. And they worshiped, they made and worshiped the golden calf saying, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. He couldn't even leave them alone for two months before they were getting into trouble. Well, as we get to chapter 33, Moses is really discouraged with the ministry that God gave him and with the people he had to serve. Uh, I think we can identify with that, can't we? Have you ever been discouraged by the people around you? Maybe your co-workers, students, teachers, husband, wife, children... You know how it goes. You get discouraged by the people around you. You get frustrated by your situation. You don't have a job. There's no money. You have health problems. So we know what it's like to be discouraged, and so did he. So we're coming to a place, we're coming to a story uh, that that takes place in Moses' life when he was a bit down in the dumps. So we look at Exodus chapter 33, and I want to just... Uh, just give a brief introduction by way of looking at uh, uh, quickly at verses 7 through 11. This passage, that short passage tells us that Moses was accustomed to, he was used to meeting with God to see what he needs to do to handle the situations and, uh, and to have wisdom to act rightly in the life of the people of Israel. And as he goes and meets with God, there's a a precious verse and one that's going to help guide us into the section that we're really going to focus on, which would start with with verse 12. But in in verse 11, a precious few words, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Not Not as king and servant, not as employer and employee, not even as father and son, But Moses was accustomed to speaking to God as friend speaks to friend. When you go to a a restaurant, IHOP or Applebee's, and you're just sitting across the table from your friend, and you're able to tell what's really on your heart, you're able to to converse about what's going on in your life. And it's not just one-way direction. It's not that Moses is talking to God, and then God says, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then goes away. It's they talk to one another. They communicate to one another. So there's already a close relationship there. So when Moses is, is speaking to God, and when we focus now on these next several verses, starting from chapter 33, verse 12, when we focus on these next verses, remember, Moses and God are in a good relationship already. And what follows is how we can communicate with God, how we can pray when we have that kind of a close relationship with him. So now we start reading from verse 12 of chapter 33, and I will be reading from the New American Standard Version. So, as uh, Moses and God are together, then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people 
but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, Moses to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how, can, for how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about, while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So we'll look at a, uh, a few of the issues that show up in those verses. There's a lot more we can say uh, that I'll have to wait for another day or another time or another furlough from Nigeria, I don't know, but we'll focus on a few of, of the issues that are raised between God and Moses. As we look through some of these, uh, this dialogue between the Lord and Moses, I want to highlight three words, each of them begin with the letter S, three words that will help remember what is going on and help us to remember the, the, the points of the message to strengthen us and encourage us as we attempt to get out of the doldrums and the difficulties of life. Three words beginning with the letter S that will help us remember how to pray a prayer that God loves to answer. And the first word that begins with the letter S is the word straight. I'm from New Jersey, so I say straight. I guess you would say straight if you were from another part of the country. As in, be straight with God. In other words, be real, be genuine. Be straight with God. Look again at how Moses begins this conversation with the Lord. And if you're reading the NIV, uh, you, you may miss a little something here because it leaves out an important word. But if you're, if you're looking at another translation, what's the first word that Moses uses in his conversation with God in verse 12? And Moses said to the Lord, see or look. Now, when you're talking to somebody, you know, if, I'm, if I'm talking to my wife and I say, look, Heidi, I mean, that, that shows a, not just a conversational tone, but it says that I'm maybe a little bit something inside, right? Or, or Heidi, look, see, here's the way it is. And you, I think you know what I mean about that. When you're, talk, when you're talking to somebody, if the first word out of, your out of your mouth is look or see, that means you have a problem. And Moses really does have a problem with God. Because whatever God promised him at the beginning of his ministry... You're going to lead the people. I'm going to do great things through you. All these wonderful things are going to happen. Moses has seen part of it, but reality is not matching up with what he thinks he was promised. So he's a little bit, use the word, ticked at God because things are not going the way he thought they should be going. 
the people are rebelling, they're hard to lead, and, and he, he's had some other, uh, other issues with a, uh, a difficult group. If, if, if you think it's hard to be a pastor for this church, wow, imagine being a pastor of the Israelites in those days. You, got, you guys are easy compared to what Moses had to go through. So he, was, he had to be honest with God that things are not going the, the way that he thought they should. And God cannot help us in our difficulties until we really become straight with him or honest with him. If we say, oh, we're thankful that God is doing this and God, God is so wonderful and I'm so grateful for God doing this, but in our hearts we're harboring some animosity, some, some amount of irritation because of some, un, uh, some unrequited prayer or some way God has not met our expectations, God cannot help us out of our difficulties and out of our situation. So Moses is honest with God. He says, look, God, <laughs> these people... Oh, man, you said you, you said you would send somebody to help me. You said, bring these people up. You haven't even let me know who's going to help me do this. So he's honest with the Lord saying, God, there's something here and I need to get this off of my chest. We, we deal with this a lot in, in Nigeria where greetings and conversation is so important. In, in Nigeria, when you're greeting somebody, you're supposed to ask about the welfare of everything from their family to their, their livestock. And the answer to everything is, the, the word in Hausa is lafia. Try, try that word with me, lafia. Oh, you can do better than that, lafia. Okay, that means fine, well, it's, you know, everything's going okay. It's, like, it's almost like shalom in, in, in Hebrew. So when you ask somebody, oh, how are you doing? The answer is always supposed to be Lafia. How are you doing? How are the wife? What about the children? How are your goats? Chickens? What about the dogs? You get the idea. Everything's Lafia, Lafia. Even if it's not, you're supposed to answer that way. Because it doesn't do any good to say something is not going right. So everything's lafia, lafia, lafia. You can be visiting somebody on their deathbed. They're just moments from entering into, the, into glory. Oh, so how are you doing? <coughs> lafia. <laughs> and because everything is fine, but it's really not fine. There's difficulties. And if a person having trouble with their goats, their chicken, their children, or whatever, they're not going to say, oh, it's so terrible. But we do the same thing in our communication with God. We, we, we speak to God as if everything is okay when maybe we're harboring some ill will in our hearts. And it doesn't do any good for us to keep that back as if God doesn't already know. If we, when we talk to God, if we have a problem with Him, He knows it better than we do. So it doesn't help us to keep it back and pretend that everything is good. If you, if you have a friend and they've offended you in some way, not, not an acquaintance, not someone you can ignore try and avoid for the next several years. But if you have a friend, someone that you care about and you see regularly, and they've offended you or you have offended them, what good does it do if you sweep under the rug anything that, that's between you two? You want to get it out in the open, deal with it, and move on. If Moses speaks to God as friend speaks to friend, we have that same privilege as believers in Jesus Christ. We speak to God as friend speaks to friend. And what God is saying to us is, if you have a problem, get it out in the open, and we'll deal with it and move on. So the first word that helps us 
in our difficult, praying in our difficulties, the first word that begins with the letter S is what? Straight, as in be straight with God. That's the only way that we can move on to the next step. You can almost picture God saying, good, now that you've expressed what's really on your heart, we can now go to the next level. And as, we, uh, as we've read in this passage, at, uh, in the end of Exodus chapter 33, Moses really makes three prayer requests. The third one is the one that really sums all of them up. So that's the one I want to focus on next. The second word that begins with the letter S is the, is the word show. If we look at, at verse 19, 18, you'll see why. The word show helps us remember, show me your glory, Moses' prayer. Look again in, in verse 18. After God has said, I will do the first two things you ask, here's Moses' third prayer. Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Okay, so the first S is what? Second S is? Show. Show me your glory. Moses' prayer. When we think of the glory of God, maybe we have in mind some bright and shiny light. Maybe we're used to thinking of that being a representation of God's glory. Or a rainbow, or fire, or something. Well, Moses is not asking for another bright and shiny light. This is the, this is the guy that already saw the burning bush. So he doesn't, he doesn't need another burning bush. He, already, he has that one down, pat. He's the guy that goes into the tent and meets with God face to face, as it were. So he's already used to seeing the glory of God descend upon the, the very presence of where he is and being able to talk to God like that. So he's not looking for more light, more smoke, more glory, nothing really, uh, some amazing amount of, of pyrotechnics that show God is there. He's asking for something else. God knows what it is, and that's why God explains what it means to see his glory in the next several verses. When Moses says, show me your glory, God says in verse 19, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So God's glory is not bright and shiny light, it's not smoke, it's not angels hovering around playing harps. It's God's goodness, meaning all of his character and everything that he is, and his name, everything that represents who God is. So notice what Moses does not pray. He's enduring these difficulties, he's going through all these, these problems. He does not pray, Lord. Take these people away from me. He does not even pray, Lord, change these people. You know, if, if you have difficult, uh, difficult people around you, it's really easy to pray, Lord, change my wife. Lord, change my husband. Lord, change my boss. Lord, you know, change them. If you change them, I'll be okay. Or, or maybe in your more honest moments, you may say, Lord, remove them or something. I don't know. <laughs> change isn't good enough. So you, you want them to change. He so he doesn't say, Lord, change the Israelites. Make them more, more leadable. He doesn't say, Lord, fix this problem. He doesn't say, Lord, change my situation. Promote me, demote me, do something. Get me out of here. He doesn't pray, Lord, get me out of this difficulty. Instead, he says, Lord, show me what? Your glory. As we see, show me your name. Show me your character. Show me who you really are. 
In the scriptures, when it speaks of the name of God, it's not talking about what he's called. It's not his name, Yahweh or Jehovah, however you would want to pronounce that. It's not just what you call God, but it's who he is and everything that, that encompasses what God is about. His personality, his reputation, his attributes, his character, his goodness, his name. That's why when, it, when one of the first of the commandments, do not take God's name lightly, do not take it in vain, that just doesn't mean cursing and swearing. That means don't think lightly of who God is. There's a lot more to it than just, uh, than just watching the, any swear words or curse words that come out of our mouth related to God. It includes that, but it includes much more because God is more concerned about his reputation and how his testimony is spread throughout the earth. So Moses says, God, the situation is difficult. These people are difficult. My life is difficult. Show me your glory. So notice it's a more, it's a larger, a more impacting prayer. More longer lasting and deeper than just getting him out of an individual situation. As I'm relating this to you, I'm not just talking theory. It's not like I just opened my Bible somewhere and said, oh, that looks like a good prayer. But uh, some, some years ago, uh, as I was going through the book of Exodus, I encountered this passage and realized that, that all the difficulties that I go through, I can either, pr- uh, along with the short-term prayers of praying for protection and safety and praying for people to, to get a, a vision of God, I need to pray this for myself. Lord, show me your glory. Not expecting a light show, lasers and flash pots and fog and everything else, but expecting God to show me more of himself. Where, where we live in Nigeria, maybe some of you, if you're, if you're uh, people that keep up on the news, now and then Nigeria shows up on the news and not usually in a good way. Bombings and churches being burned, Christians being killed, uh, sometimes Muslims being killed in, in reprisal attacks by the Christians. It, it really is a difficult place to live. And regularly as I drive to the village where I teach, it's about a 30-mile 30, 30 drive from where we're living, I drive past places that have had all kinds of violence occur, and uh, people uh, having houses and cars burnt, shootings, bombings. Uh, I'm not trying to sugarcoat this. It really is a difficult place where we live. And I do pray for protection. And I do pray for, for confidence that we're doing the right thing. But I also pray, even in the midst of all this, Lord, show me your glory. Help me get a bigger vision of who you are so that I can live in a situation like this. When we, when we pray this prayer, God becomes exalted. It puts our problems and it puts even myself in perspective because the larger God gets, the more perspective we get on, on the rest of our lives. I have frustrations with the students that I teach. I have frustrations with my, my fellow missionaries. I don't know, if maybe you have an idea that when missionaries finish, whatever missionaries do and they go home, they put on their wings and a, and a halo and they strum their harp and everybody's all angelic. It, it, it's not always, not always like that. Ministry isn't always like that, is it? You know, so pe- people can, can get under one another's skin. And I regularly pray, I say regularly because I'm probably 
most of the problem myself. Lord, show me your glory. I'm not focusing on those that are giving me difficulties and problems. But I'm asking for God to show himself greater. So the first S, be straight with God. Get off your chest what, he needs to, what, what you need to in order to, to get that relationship back where it should be. And second, the prayer, show. Show me your glory. Not just remove the problem, not take me out of the situation, not change this person, but God, you show me your glory. It's a very personal prayer. Not show us your glory, but show me your glory. This is a prayer that God loves to answer because God wants to manifest himself and God wants to make himself larger in our lives. We, we often sell prayer too far short. When it comes to intercession, we, we come up with a long list of things that we would like for God to do for us. And maybe we, we treat God like, like somebody at a drive-up window at McDonald's. You know, you go to McDonald's, Welcome to the throne of grace. How can I help you? So, uh, okay, I would like to order a new job and an extra large uh, super size of cash. I need some more, some more money. And a side order of some relationship help. These people are just, you know, I just can't get this person and, and they're bothering me too much. So, Lord, can you do something to change that? I'll see what I can try around. And God is not just an order taker waiting for us to drop our order off so that he can just fill in whatever we have on our list of things for him to do. That, shorts, that, that shortens and, and that diminishes what God has enabled us to do in prayer, which is honest communication and larger, larger uh, requests that we can ask for. It's one thing to pray for a situation that's immediate and now. And God wants us to, to, to lay that out to him too. Let all of our prayers and supplications with thanksgiving be made known to God. But he also wants us to think bigger, and sometimes we think too small in our prayers. He wants us to pray big prayers. And one of the largest, biggest, boldest prayers is, Lord, show me your glory. Because that will not only take care of the immediate needs, but it also changes us for the future. So when God says, show me, or when Moses prays, show me your glory, he's looking for a different view of life. And when you see life differently, you see your problems differently, and you see your difficulties differently. So when God says, or when Moses says, show me your glory, he's asking to know God better, to know God for who he truly is. In biblical studies, we call the, the study of God theology. And you know, some, some people unfortunately think, well, theology is for those people going to seminary and you know, Appalachian Bible College and whatever other seminaries they want to go through. That's for those people. They, they can go and study theology. I don't need doctrine. I just need Jesus. And unfortunately, that's really untrue. Because the minute you say Jesus, that's a doctrinal statement who he is and what he came to do. The minute you open your mouth and say, God, that's the, that's the word of theology. And what you think about God, which is really theology, what you think about him, determines what you do and how you act. They can, you cannot separate what you think from what you do. That's the importance of theology. So really, anybody here who has ever thought anything about God is a theologian. So you don't have a choice. You already are. 
The, the difficulty, though, is you may either be a good theologian or a bad theologian. Your theology may be accurate and true and, and fully represents who God is, or it may be distorted and different from what God wants to manifest of himself. So hopefully as we look through the, the last section uh, uh, of this, of this uh, event in Moses' life, it will help us be good theologians and get a true <clears throat> and proper perspective on God. So the first S was what? Straight. Be straight with God. The second S is what? As in, show me your glory. That is, that is Moses' prayer to the Lord. The third S is see. S-E-E. See. To see God's attributes. So now we need to move into chapter 34. After, after God told Moses, go to, the, go to the mountain, and I will meet with you there. Moses goes up with a, another set of tablets. He broke the first set of commandments that God gave him at the golden calf uh, incident a, few, a couple chapters earlier. So now he goes up and he's going to have a second set of tablets. And now God meets with Moses in the mountain. We'll start reading from verse 4. So he cut out two stone tablets like the former ones and Moses rose up early in the morning, went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took two, to- two stone tablets in his hand. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth, and worship. So as Moses asks to, to see God's glory, it's not a light show that he gets, but it's a listing of God's attributes. Remember, the name, glory, goodness, attributes, character, all the same. They all mean the same thing. So when Moses says, show me your glory, God says, here is my glory. Here is who I am. Verses 6 and 7, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, forgives iniquities, transgression and sin, will no means leave the guilty unpunished. That's God's glory. That's who he is. That's his character. That's his personality. So when you pray, and I hope you will do this, when you pray, show me your glory. What you're asking for is, God, show me these attributes. Show me how these are true. Show me what I need to to see in my life, how you are all of these things. When we we think about all these, these words that are used to describe God, they can either be words or they can be something meaningful to us. So Moses isn't saying, let me know your glory. But he says, let me see these in my life. Let me see how you manifest these throughout the world. Let me see how these are are true day to day. And as God proclaims his name, meaning proclaiming his attributes, proclaiming his character, these are the words that are chosen. I want to look at them again. You can can do a a sermon on each one of these words, but we're just going to to, uh, uh, elaborate them. We'll use the the version that I'm reading from the New American Standard. Just repeat these character traits. Repeat the glory of God one by one after me. Compassionate. 
Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. Compassionate. Compassionate. Gracious. Gracious. Slow to anger. anger. Abounding in loving kindness. Abounding in in truth. truth. Keeping loving kindness for thousands. thousands. Forgives iniquity. But will no means leave the guilty unpunished. Those are the attributes of God. That's his glory. That's his character. And when Moses says, show me your glory, what he says is, let me see the greatness of who you are. And God says, here is who I am. And if you look at those attributes, they balance his mercy and his love and his kindness with his justice and his faithfulness and his holiness and, his, and the, the uh, punishment for those that do not follow his ways. So God's mercy and his justice are mixed. Paul would go on to, to, to frame it beautifully, that God is both the just and the justifier of those who trust in Christ. So as God's name is proclaimed to Moses, these are not things Moses was unaware of. This is nothing new to him. He already knew this. But he's going to see it and experience it in a new way. And when we pray, and I'm saying when, hoping you'll do it, when we pray, show me your glory, what we are saying is, God, show me these attributes of yours in a new and glorious way. Show them to me, not just in theory, but in practice. This is theology made practical. Theology is not just something you read in books, but it's something you do, something you experience. And that's what Moses is saying here. God, let me experience your glory. And God says, experience me through these attributes. The bigger God appears, the more gracious and the more compassionate, the change in us cannot fail to be more compassionate and more gracious. When God is forgiving, we can be forgiving, even to those that are involved in breaking my daughter's wrist. We can be forgiving and gracious. When God is loving, we can be loving. When He shows loving kindness to thousands, certainly we can show loving kindness to at least a dozen. As we know more about God, it changes us. And as Moses is complaining about those people, those Israelites, as he meditates on the compassion and forgiveness of God, it's bound to change the way he feels about those Israelites. And as we meditate and think about the graciousness and compassion of God, it helps us have grace toward others, show compassion toward others, loving kindness toward others. So the third word that begins with the letter S is C. First one is straight. Be straight with God. The second one is show. Show me your glory. The third one is see. See God's attributes. So two words I think you'll like in conclusion. In conclusion, I want to give some, some heart work for you to do. See, when I teach, I, I give a lot of homework, work you're supposed to do at home. So here I'm calling it heart work, work you're to do in your heart. So I want to give you three, three or four heart work assignments. You can do it, you can even do it in the next 10 minutes if, if need be. So the, the first assignment that I'm going to give you for heart work is the next time you have anything that is troubling you at all, 
any, any difficulties, anything that's confusing, anything frustrating, anything that's getting you down or discouraging you, pray this prayer, Lord, show me your glory. That's the first one. You, that, that one, depending on who you meet out in the foyer, you may be praying that in the next five minutes. I don't know. But whatever, whatever you, the next time, or if not the next time, at least sometime in the next you know, little bit, pray that prayer. As I said, for myself, this is not a theoretical message. I pray this a lot. And there's, there's no limit to the number of ways God can express and show His glory to us. So this is not a one-time thing, but it's the beginning, hopefully, of a process. So there's your first assignment. Next time anything is troubling you, or any body, or any situation is troubling you, pray, show me your glory. If anyone's disappointing you, pray this prayer. If you're sick or infirm, if you're depressed, if you're emotionally down, Pray this prayer. If you're confused or unsure or anxious or there's something going on in your life that is causing you to wonder what's going to happen next, along with all your other prayers, don't forget this one. Pray this prayer. So that's your first assignment. Your second assignment is as you read God's name, as you read God's name, meaning proclaiming his, the proclamation of his attributes. Think about all the hymns that we sing and all the, the books that we read where these attributes show up. Even in the, in the hymns that we sang today, and uh, well, the, the, the uh, end can it be, the power of your love, and that, I don't know the title of that last one, but the one, that was, the one that came from Revelation where it talks about God's wisdom and glory and power and strength and honor and all the rest of those. Pay attention when God's attributes show up. We're so used to maybe thinking of them as just words. We need to see how they come into play and how they are really enveloping us all through, the, all through our lives, if we're involved in worship. If we're not involved in worship and we're not around God's people and we're not singing Christian songs, well, obviously that one's going to be difficult. But anyway, the second assignment is do a, a, an I spy. We, we do an, when we're traveling for... for uh, Long trips with our children, we would do I spy something, and, it, and then someone would have to figure out what it is. Well, do an I spy for God's attributes in all the, the hymns and the, and the songs that we sing. And amaze yourself at how often they show up. So often we sing about songs about us. Me, me, I, I, me, I, I, I want this. Me, 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 me. But how many hymns say, God is this? and display I spy with the hymns for God's attributes. So that's your second, second heart work assignment. Third heart work assignment. I, I give a lot of homework as a teacher. Sometimes I think I frustrate my students. They must be praying, Lord, show me your glory, because I frustrate them. But I do give a lot of homework. Um, so I'm giving a lot of heart work here. Your third assignment is, if you read through the attributes that, that God gave, as he proclaimed his name, as he showed Moses his glory. As you read through God's attributes, take one a day. That's the name of a vitamin, isn't it? So you take one attribute a day and say, God, show me this attribute of yours in my life and how it shows up in other people's lives. For instance, we take the, the first one from the version that, that I'm using, the New American Standard Version. The first one that shows up in, in that one Compassionate. So I would take, so maybe there's, there's seven attributes in seven days of the week. That seems to work pretty well. So his compassion. 
Lord, show me how you are compassionate. Not just let me know, not let me understand, but show me your compassion toward me, toward others. Let me see your compassion as one person shows it to another. Lord, show me your compassionate glory. That would be one day. And not rest until you can see something of it somewhere. How it manifests itself. How, it, how it's out and practical. So then the next day would be, well, this is Sunday, the next day would be Monday. Gracious. Lord, show me how you have been gracious to me. That shouldn't take long. Maybe in about four seconds we should be able to get the answer to that one. So the next day you would, you would focus on God's graciousness. Maybe sing a hymn about graciousness. Maybe as you're reading through, you see the word grace. You know, oh, there it is in the Bible, and you underline it. That would take care of Monday. Then Tuesday, slow to anger or patient or whatever word you would have in your, in your translation. That would be the word you focus on for the third day. So you do, that through a, uh, you do that through a week. You'd be amazed how God shows himself glorious. So you have three heart work assignments. And that, you know, your grade on it is between you and God. I can't do anything about that one. But I would really encourage you to, to take it seriously and to try it. Because we can either focus our prayer life on changing our situation and fighting and struggling with the situation we're dealing with, and then we do that from situation to situation to situation, or we get used to praying, God, show me your glory, and letting Him change our worldview, letting Him change who we are from the inside out. In effect, not changing our situation but changing us to face our situations in a godly manner. So as, uh, as, I, as I finish, so I, uh, Al, can you, well, coming up? This is not, a, again, not, nothing theory. I'm considering this as uh, one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And I found that this works for me. I know it to be true. And I hope it will be true for you also.